Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. We're here again with one of our guest mentors, uh, Nora, who, who comes to us from an HR background, and we're going to dive deep into the realm of HR. So we're going to hopefully demystify it for those that are interested in getting into HR uh, and some hopefully bust some of the myths and misconceptions. Because a lot of people, when they reach out, it's like, oh, HR, yeah, they're the recruiting folks, right? Or they're the people that you go to when you have to deal with harassment, or if you're not getting paid the right amount, <laughs> those are the people you reach out to. But it's so much more. And uh, yeah, if you can tell us a little bit about uh, kind of your background in HR, maybe some of the, the different names and evolutions and, and different things, and then we'll probably dive into kind of the different components of it and, and, and hopefully shed some light in terms of uh, HR as, as a potential career path for folks out there. Thank you for, for having me. Um, and, and yes, you know, as you were as you were mentioning those things, one of the other things that kind of came to mind that was a pet peeve is um, how much vacation do I have <laughs> or how do I log in my vacation? Um, so uh, so, yeah, like there's definitely um, definitely lost lots to talk about from from that side. Um, you know, just a little bit about my background um, about. Uh, I want to say, wow, time flies by, like uh, over seven years of, of HR experience um, began in uh, talent acquisition um, and, and, and then moved into more of an HR generalist role, uh, moved back to talent acquisition, um, back into more of an HR generalist role, and now in a um, HR business partner role, which is um, you know, still in HR, but less on the tactical side and, and more so on the strategic um, big picture um, HR work, uh, side of things. And, 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 um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a very interesting, very interesting path that hasn't always been upward. Um, but, uh, but those are kind of the areas that I've been in HR, but as a generalist, um, and, and we can talk about that a little bit more. Um, but as a generalist, you, you kind of touch on a lot of different areas within HR as well. So I've, I've gotten the opportunity to, uh, to work in a lot of areas through my generalist experience. Yeah, so, so HR and, and some companies don't even use the word HR anymore. They use like people or talent people and like yeah. Yeah, people ops or, or human capital or human experience or, or customer su- or employee success. Those are yes. common terms, yeah. but they're basically the people of the business, like dealing with, with uh, the, the, your employees and, and those there and making sure that they're happy and productive and all that. So you, you mentioned that you were in, in recruiting and, and, and acquisition and staffing. Sometimes those are different names used for the same thing. Um, and then the generalist is one of those roles that basically uh, they, they're typically in smaller companies, right? And, and they do pretty much everything, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I mean, so you, you're right. Uh, there, there's a lot of different um, titles out there, um, which which a lot of the titles I like, right? Uh, people ops, uh, employee experience. You know, there's 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 talent acquisition. There's like um, advisor, talent acquisition, strategist, uh, talent and brand um, manager. So there's a lot of areas and a lot of different titles, but typically in in talent acquisition, you know, um, 
it can look different from organization to organization. You know, fundamentally what you're doing is you're recruiting and, and whether that's recruiting internally or bringing in external talent, whether that's, you know, for, for specific business units or, or functions, um, or if it's for, you know, specific programs, you could be a recruiter just dedicated to entry-level grads. Uh, grads, you could be um, dedicated to bringing in diverse candidates or diverse hires, or you could just be uh, working in a recruitment agency and you have your own client and your own book of business. So recruitment can look different. I just, pers- from, from, from a personal perspective, it's really great to get that experience early on in your career in HR um, because it builds a lot of um, key skill sets that you're going to have to take in in, in a lot of different areas, which is, you know, strong verbal and nonverbal communication, being able to build relationships quickly, you know, with your hiring leader, with your candidate, um, you know, being able, especially as a new grad, to to step out of your shell a little Mm -hmm. bit if, if you're in recruiting because you have to, for example, lead an interview. Sometimes you have to have difficult conversations when you get to things like an offer letter or salary or, or re, re negotiating somebody, um, you know, relocating to a different role. So it's it's definitely a very fast pace um, and fun space, I think, to work in because a lot of times it can be challenging if you're working for, um, you know, um, recruiting for tech roles in a really competitive environment. You also learn how to market um, job postings and, and, and you learn also a lot about diversity inclusion depending on whether or not your organization has uh, goals for DNI through recruitment. So it's also one of the easier, um, or, or I, I don't want to say easier, but it's one of the more um, the more common job postings that you'll probably see in HR um, recruiters because a lot of times companies have just a high volume of recruitment, right? Um, and it's high volume work. I've never been in an organization where recruitment was ever um had ever a slow time. It's always been the busiest function, right? So there's a lot of high, it's high volume work. It's sometimes repetitive, but it's really fast paced. Um, and there's a constant change in all organizations, people getting a new job, people leaving and whatnot. So it's, it's, it's easy as a new grad to get into HR through recruitment, specifically because when you see HR as HR roles for every and, and don't quote me on the statistics. I learned this in school a really long time ago, so it might not be as accurate, but for every 100 employees, I believe that you need one HR person to support on average. And, and organizations probably stretch that now because we have a lot of self-service models. We have a lot of technology that, that streamlines processes. So it's, th- that ratio is probably a lot different now. So, you know, you could see that the HR roles, aside from recruitment, you know, aren't as, aren't going to be as readily available as, you know, a role in recruitment. So it's really good to kind of get your foot in the door and, and start getting that experience through um, that space in HR. And some people love it and just stay in it, you know, as, as career recruiters. I personally thought I was going to stay in it um, because I enjoyed it so much. That's amazing. And I think one thing to point out is what, what you kind of briefly touched upon where uh, there are some uh, agencies and, and with any HR function, uh, sometimes they're outsourced, right? So for yeah. smaller companies, uh, they, they uh, don't have a person to do um, any specific thing because they don't have that 100 employees. If I have 50 employees, <laughs> I don't even have necessarily enough to hire that one exactly. HR person. So um, they might use a, a, a acquisition staffing a recruiting agency to to, to do their, their their hiring, right? Uh, they might have an in-house one too, but there's there's a difference in, in terms of the, the roles. Um, can can you speak speak a little bit? Because I think you've been in a in a recruiting role when you were in an agency, and then also when you were in internal uh, HR, you were in both types of roles, right? 
So I've never actually been on the agency side. I've always okay. been internally, right. um, but I have worked in recruitment in in a startup. So it was like really fast paced. So you'd almost feel like it was, it was, you know, always busy and we were recruiting like crazy. So you'd almost think that it was an agency, but it wasn't. Um, but, you know, I've, I've known a lot of, um, you know, colleagues of mine working in agencies and I've also worked with them um, internally had them as, as clients to help us fill roles in the past. Um, and, and there are a little, there, there are, there are differences, right. As an agency, um, if you're somebody who likes change a lot and likes to learn about different um, industries and, and doesn't always want to be working on the same thing an agency is a really good spot for you, right. Because you can have, you know, wide array of clients and, and, and you can be filling roles for different, for different industries and, and different types of clients and different companies. So you're always learning, right. And, and you're growing your network through that. If you're also somebody that, um, you know, a lot of times people look at agency recruitment and they, they compare it a little bit to sales and it's not sales, but a lot of the, the process um, does kind of um, um, mimic the sales cycle because, you know, oftentimes agencies will require these recruiters to, you know, go out and bring that business in, right? So, so create that client relationship, identify what um, roles that, you know, that client needs to recruit for and, and get that business for that agency. So you're, you're also playing, you know, two hats, you're playing the recruiter hat and you're also playing the sales hat. So again, for somebody early in their career that doesn't know whether or not they want to really be in HR for the, for the rest of their career, it's a good opportunity because you can easily take that experience and you can pivot and, and go into sales. Right. So you kind of have opened two doors for yourself at the beginning of your career versus an in-house recruiter. Again, you could be working on all different types of roles for all different types of business functions, depending on how large your organization is. Or you could be, you know, just dedicated to being a program campus recruiter or, or, or just for a specific business unit. It'll look different for every single organization. But for the most part, you know that business, right? You know the roles that they're recruiting for. You know the system. You're not bringing that business in, right? They're coming to you and saying, we need to fill this role. So that's kind of the difference. Um, it's that sales piece. And I guess also it's the... Um, it's, it's, it's the added level of, of having to bring that business in and having to bring those clients in, um, as, as a, as an external, uh, agency could be a little bit tough. And oftentimes external agencies are actually competing against internal recruitment teams. So we'll hire an external agency. And so, you know, there's that added level of stress as a, as an agency recruiter, because, you know, you want to bring that business in and they already have a team. So you have to work sometimes twice as hard <laughs> to get more candidates or, 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 or to search a little bit longer. Um, just, just, you know, um, some, some differences that come, that come across when what I think I was, about that. Yeah. What I was reading between the lines in there is that if you have a, a sense of like competitiveness um, and kind of that fast paced drive, then you'd probably thrive in, in, in a, uh, in a career or just a job in, in uh, recruiting, because there is a bit of that, uh, not necessarily with just, other folks in the agency, maybe the, the HR team that you're working with or whatever, there's a bit of that competition. And because you always have to bring in the business, a little bit of that sales, then that would definitely help you in that regard. Are there any other kind of qualities or someone that say, you know what, these are, this is probably going to allow you to become a better, a better recruiter, talent acquisition person or something like that? Yeah, I mean, you you hit it on the nail, like competitiveness, even if you're an in-house recruiter, right, you, you got to be, you, you got to be able to compete uh, amongst yourself, because it's really stressful to have to recruit for a role, because a lot of times it's, you know, you're backfilling for somebody that's critical to the organization, for example, or almost every single 
I'd say about 90% of the hiring managers want the role to be filled yesterday, right? So, <laughs> so, 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 right, you're, you're, you're always in that spot of insane, like insane urgency, whether or not it's warranted. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. So, you know, you need to have that competition, whether it's between an agency, but you also need to be competitive because candidates on the market, you know, are like it's a competitive talent market right now for, for specific talents that you're looking for, right? Um, so you have to kind of be on the go. I'd say, you know, being, um, I don't really want to label it as an extrovert versus introvert. I don't like sure. labeling that, but being somebody that's comfortable with reaching out and building relationships. So a strong relationship builder and, and just being comfortable with um, building rapport quickly with somebody that you particularly don't know because you for example need to get you know the most information that you can in 30 or 40 minutes in an interview um, or on a call when you're when you're connecting with a passive candidate right you need to build that rapport right off the bat um, so being a strong uh, relationship builder strong communicator um, you know are, are definitely some things and, and somebody that likes to work in a fast-paced environment um, for most recruitment roles right um, some are again you know program recruitment which are cyclical doesn't mean that they're not busy I know some of my friends in campus recruitment are, are, are some of the busiest people I know, but that's a little bit more cyclical. It's more planned. But for the most part, somebody that's okay working in a fast paced environment, that's almost like an ad hoc. A lot of times, you know, requisitions just come up. They just come up. People just, they leave. And, and, and sometimes you can forecast that and sometimes you can't actually anticipate it, right? So. Yeah, I love how you made that qualification about introvert and extrovert, because uh, when, when you're connecting with someone one on one, like introverts can actually do quite well, um, yeah. because they're trying to build that relationship. So uh, just because you've been labeled or labeled yourself one, <laughs> that doesn't mean that recruiting is out for you. So uh, I think we gave, gave folks quite, quite a good overview uh, on the, the talent acquisition side. Uh, what about things like, like uh, compensation and pay? So we talked about how one of the myths is like, hey, I didn't get my paycheck or something happened where there's a rounding error, this and that, and that's one person we go to. Well, uh, what was your experience like in, from, a, from a pay and, and, and benefits and compensation, total comp, that sort of perspective? Yeah, so, I mean, right off the bat, I'll, I'll just answer that if you didn't get your pay, if your pay stub's incorrect, you wouldn't go to compensation, you go to payroll. (laughs) So, so that's, you know, that just is telling with how many areas in HR there are um, that, you know, the average employee isn't aware of and and doesn't really have to be aware of in all honesty, but, you know, um, you you have compensation, you have um, payroll and benefits, you have uh, in some organizations, uh, labor relations, if you have a unionized staff force, you know, you have the HR generalists, you have the talent acquisition specialists. Some organizations even have DN, uh, diversity and inclusion teams. They have talent management teams. So those teams only focus on, you know, the developing um, our top talent um, development programs, different types of mentorship programs, um, right? How are we, how are we um, increasing learning within the organization? Uh, you also have other, other teams like um, our, our HRIS, Workday HR technology and innovation teams, um, our HR analytics team, um, right? So there's so many um, pension and benefits. So pension in itself is a team that I'm going to be honest, like almost everybody in HR doesn't understand anything unless you're in pensions. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's complex work. So there's so many different um, areas within HR 
that you know you you might not really think about and a lot of people don't think about it but if you're in a large enough organization um there are those opportunities right um so you know just talking about my own personal experience aside from being in talent acquisition i think early on in uh, a person's career if you're able to land an hr generalist role even if it's just for a year or two years it's it's a really good opportunity because you'll get exposed to little um snippets of some of those areas, um, like I've, I've I've done some LR work, I've done some comp work, I've done a lot of DNI work, um, talent management. So you'll you'll be exposed to all of these things, and you know early on you can tell what you like and what you don't, or or what you're good at, or or what you'd like to pursue a little bit more, right? And and that's how you can start to specialize, or you decide not to specialize, and you know you, you go into a a more strategic role afterwards. That's still kind of an, in, in the generalist overall um, function, but we're looking now at bigger picture stuff, long-term planning, and you're supporting more senior uh, level leaders in, in their HR um, planning and, and, and what they need from an HR support, right? So there's there's a lot of areas in, um, in HR that people don't think about. And some of the areas that are up and coming that you know might have not been around um, is our HR technology space. So I've been seeing a lot of HRIS or you know human capital, um, uh, analyst roles, HR reporting roles posted nowadays, um, HR analytics roles. There's actually a really interesting HR um, analytics course at Queen and a new one that's, I believe, titled People Analytics at York. So, so just even seeing these new courses and these new po- um, these these new roles and organizations is just telling that, you know, there's so many areas, and I think that there's going to be um, even newer um, areas that are more focused on technology and, and data within HR. Yeah, it just goes to show how uh, like managing people, HR or whatever is evolving, right? And then there's constantly, especially with technology, a lot of new yeah. things. I'd I love if you kind of shed a, a little bit of light. So, so on, on each of these components, maybe not in detail, but if we talked about how like recruiting, where you want to have like a, a, comp- a bit of a competitive character in there that would help you get ahead in something like compensation, benefits and pension, those sound like like a numbers person, right? Is, is yeah. that fair to be that more of the analytical research type of it? Is that the type of person that would thrive well in that area? For sure. I mean, um, yeah, like different areas will require, you know, different or will will play um, to people's preferences, right? So right. if you like that client-facing experience and you like, you know, talking to people and meeting people and presenting, you know, a role for you is going to be that recruitment role or uh, that generalist role or that HR business partner role, because fundamentally you're kind of that bridge between the business and HR, right? And you're that client facing group. But then when you look at, you know, what we call COEs, so more specialized areas in HR, right? Like compensation, pension and benefits. Yeah, you're, you're gonna wanna be a numbers person, right? Like comp, you're, you're, you're doing a lot of analysis, you're doing a lot of market research. Um, you're, you're, you're constantly looking at people's salaries and numbers and, and different types of total comp packages. Same thing with benefits uh, and same thing with pensions. Um, you're gonna wanna be a numbers person. Um, I'd even go as far as to say that, you know, we have HR reporting um, as well in some organizations, which you're gonna wanna be an analytical person too. And, and for HR um, analytics, um, or, or, or any, any kind of HR technology, 
um, space, you're probably not going to be client facing. Your client is going to be HR internally. So, you know, if you're comfortable, you know, just doing projects internally, you like data or you like numbers and and you like, like really going into research and analysis, that's more of something for you. If you're somebody that likes negotiations, right, that, you know, really likes almost like you know, you, you, you would be a lawyer in another world or another life or, or, or you'd be interested in pursuing law, go, in, go into LR, labor relations, right? You're on the table and you're negotiating essentially a contract on behalf of management with the union representatives, right? So that's a really, you know, um, specialized role um, that's not in all industries because not all industries are unionized, but, you know, that skill set takes time to build up, but it's a very, I, I find people that um, succeed in it have, have, have a tendency to like negotiations, to like, I'm not going to say arguments, but are, are good with, with, with arguing logical facts and, and are comfortable with legal jargon and not particularly want to always be client facing, but are comfortable presenting and talking um, with, with, with people externally. Cool. So they're able to get their point across, like exactly, and then hopefully do a bit of persuasion <laughs> along the way. So, uh, yeah. can you can you talk to us a little bit about kind of like learning and development and and, and that aspect of the health? Because I know that's obviously a, a big and growing end with uh, a lot of this online stuff. <laughs> it's it's changed over uh, kind of the course of COVID. But uh, what are, what are your thoughts in in, in and, and uh, experience in, in that realm? Yeah, I love like that's a personal, um, you know, um, love for me. I, I really like what they do in NLR, uh, uh, sorry, and and uh, learning and development LD. But uh, you know, it, it depends from from organization to organization. A lot of times, you'll find them again. They are COE, so they are centers of of, of excellence and expertise. So their clients are the uh, the the client facing HR reps, so myself or HR advisory, right? They will create the programs, they'll create the training uh, modules, or they'll co- create the leadership development frameworks and our succession planning frameworks. They'll train us, and we'll go to the business and we'll execute on that, right? So, um, but at the same time, you know that group also a lot of times are um, executive coaches, so they're they're certified to be executive coaches, um, and they engage in in coaching uh, and mentoring senior leaders across the organization. So I think that is a unique group, and y- y- people in that group should be comfortable with being able to train and being able to influence you know, um, audiences at different levels, different, varying different um, seniority levels. Um, I think that's a unique group, but you, you have to be passionate about teaching and you have to have, you know, that patience and that ability to influence as a coach. So influencing without authority would be huge in that, um, in that team, I think. Yeah, I think uh, I've heard where folks that are interested in teaching, but don't necessarily want to go into like the boards uh, and teach kids, that sort of thing, but they want to teach adults. Uh, L&D learning and development is a great place for them to explore yeah. with, within HR. And you talk a little bit about like executive coaches. So, so there's like kind of performance management and things like annual reviews and stuff like that. Does, does that fall into uh, a, a different categorization in HR as well? So, you know, it depends on how the organization is structured, but a lot sure. of times at, learning and development is kind of under talent management, right? And, and a lot of times, you know, that development 
falls under them because uh, a performance review is essentially to support also the individual's development and, and to check into their own performance. So it, it usually falls, like those programs usually fall under those groups. They create that framework, but they don't execute it because they're they're not the ones that hold the relationship with the mm-hmm. business and they don't know the people in the business, right? Um, but again, you know, all organizations are different, but that's what you'll probably see in, in I'd say, multinational kind of matrix type organizations. Cool. And, and then you talked a little bit about some of the, uh, well, up and coming, I mean, they've been around for a while, but the, the HRIS, the HR tech folks, uh, even on the payroll side. So, so the people that might thrive in those areas are ones that are a little bit more like tech savvy, interested in kind of process in like uh, the way thing, things function, um, like systematizing, um, like business process and all that sort of stuff. Um, is that the, the, the type of work they would be doing or, or what other types of um, uh, characteristics could someone in, in that area kind of uh, have if they want to thrive in that area? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that you don't even necessarily need a HR degree to work there. It okay. obviously helps. Um, but a lot of times, you know, it, it depends on what they're doing. But a lot of times we have people that don't actually come from an HR background, but later on, go and get their CHRP after they've been um, in our department for a while, just to understand the business a little bit more. But, you know, I'd, I'd really say that the work would vary, right? You have, if you already have an HCM set up, you know, th- there's going to be that maintenance piece and sustainment. Um, so people that, you know, are good at troubleshooting, are good at fixing, testing, um, you know, answering, you know, that, 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 that day-to-day support and maintenance. Um, and, and even training, right? So um, if, if there's a new application upgrade or tool or whatnot. And then there's also the other side where, you know, you're, you're actually implementing new systems and, and, and new applications and, you, you know, you're, you're, you're testing out the user experience, you're, you're, you're reconfiguring processes and automating them, right? And, and, and I think that, you know, just like as if, you know, you, you'd look at who would want to go into the tech industry. So if it's a project manager, maybe this person's really organized. Maybe this person, you know, works well on, on key dates and is able to bring people on board and keep and keep things moving and is a great relationship builder, right? So then that's a project manager. You'd also, you, you might see that role in, in our HR um, IS team as well. Um, you might find that we need developers or analytical people. So I'd say almost like, I think about it as, you know, just a, almost like a tech department within HR, you'd probably want similar skill sets. Um, but it, it, it always helps if somebody has like a background in HR to get into that, whether that's a minor, or whether they're just, you know, they graduated from HR, but found themselves just tech savvy, they had a lot of acumen, and, and this is what they're, they're, they're kind of um, gravitating towards. Um, but but you're going to want somebody who's, um, who's interested in technology and, and, and emergent technologies, because HR consistently is, is, is one of those places that is just really new to adopting technology as well. So there's a lot of emerging um, things coming on. So somebody that's like interested in innovation and interested in bringing new ideas to the table as well. Cool. Yeah, and obviously this could span all the different areas because you'll have technology for recruiting, technology for learning, exactly. technology for, for uh, performance management and all that sort of stuff as well. And, and obviously uh, for getting paid <laughs> for your payroll and stuff like that, right? Um, in, in the discussions you mentioned a couple of times, so um, HR generalist, and then you mentioned HR business partner. So what, what is there a difference between the two or, or how, how would you uh, characterize the difference between the two? Sure. Um, so I would say that, you know, uh, an HR generalist 
um, is somebody that is supports the business more on the tactical side. Okay. So, you know, um, the generalist function typically deals with day-to-day people operational um, tasks or issues versus if you have, you know, an HR business partner, they're kind of like the middleman between the business and HR. They help execute um, strategic priorities and strategies from a people perspective. So they, they, they try to understand what, what the business's, you know, strategic intentions are and goals and, and they, and they build people plans around that. Right. And, and they're looking at more big picture stuff. Um, so, so, so some of their HR work might, you know, be a project that will impact the organization three years out um, versus, you know, if, if you're an HR generalist, what you might be doing is, you know, you might do being doing workforce planning for the next six months or the next year. Right. So both, um, you know, equally important, but a little bit different. And, and the, and the level, like the, the skill sets required um, are also going to be different in, in two roles, right? Your one deals with um, is, is working with, you know, frontline managers more so because again, you're dealing with tactical people, operational issues. And one role on the HR business partner side is dealing with more strategic issues. So the individuals that you support from an HR perspective are senior leaders. Right. So what I took from that, HR generalist tends to be more um, kind of day-to-day, um, kind of more on the ground, and then business partners more on that strategic side, big picture, focused on, on leadership and, and the direction of the company and how you bring the, the people on board um, versus the, the generalist day-to-day. Um, so, yeah, I think that gives a good perspective on, on the different areas. And, and I'd love if you uh, would, would chat about, I guess, some of the the differences between what you learned in school and then what was actually in practice. So I, I know we we're talking off air about like how, well, uh, you would hope that someone who is uh, like going through an HR program, they would get a job easily because they, they've they been taught like the whole process on, on how to get into that, but that's not usually the case. So so that, that's one uh, thing that we identified, um, like could, could you talk to us a little bit more about that and then and in other areas where you might've learned something, but the reality is like actually it's quite a bit different. Yeah. Um, so I would say that just because you took your undergrad in, in human resources doesn't mean that they've taught you. I think that everybody automatically assumes it doesn't mean that they've taught you how to job search and, and how to ex- effectively strategize and compete with the thousands of new grads when you have like next to no, no experience, right? right? It's not taught. I, I mean, back when I took recruitment, <laughs> um, which is, you know, a while ago, um, they did teach us how to, you know, um, how to review resumes, but more so how to review resumes in an equitable way, how to create, you know, um, fair um, interview questions that um, are free of discrimination and, and bias and, and how to, you know, create a matrix so you can effectively rate your candidates, again, being free of, of bias, how to create a comfortable environment, you know, what are some of the things to look at a resume. So, you know, that's what we were taught, but we were never really taught, and I don't know what's, what is being taught in other schools, but we were never really taught as, you know, how do you market yourself on LinkedIn or, or how do you land a job? Um, so what I'd say to, 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 to HR undergrads is it's, it's just going to be as, as difficult for them as it is for everybody graduating. Um, it's, 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 I'm going to say almost even more competitive sometimes in HR, because again, the, 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 the number of people in HR departments versus the actual business, right? You're, you're in a support function. So you're, you're naturally always going to be, you're, you're always going to have a lower headcount 
than the actual business. You're just, your function is to support them, right? So if they have five, you're going to have one, for example, right? Um, so, so that's where, where there's a challenge. Um, you know, I'd say some of the things that could help an individual is reaching out to their, um, their HR professor, uh, professors, trying to, you know, see if, if they could recommend them um, for anything or, or, or write them a letter of recommendation. But we also have the HRPA. Um, that's an excellent resource, right? So they have, the, um, they have a mentorship program. So you can get matched up with mentors. You can volunteer um, for events. I mean, pre-COVID, um, it was in person, but I'm sure that will be back to in person. So you can volunteer. And that's another excellent opportunity to get to know your peers and then get to know other people within HR as well. Um, uh, so, so I think that that's one of the great things that you could do. And, and again, I mean, you know, look at, um, look at if, if, you, if you're so set, for example, on going into compensation or learning and development and you're a new grad and, and you haven't been able to get that opportunity, be open. Right. Look at, you know, maybe there's an HRIS analyst role. Um, maybe there's a recruitment position, a recruiter position. Right. Maybe there's a payroll analyst. Like just be open to any kind of HR role that you can and get your foot in the door because it might you might be surprised. You might actually like it. Um, but again, it's experience and it's, it's kind of your foot in the door. But um, also, you know, follow Luki. He has a lot of on LinkedIn. He has a lot of really, really good um um, advice and uh, a lot of good information on there about, you know, as a new grad, how do you market yourself and um, try to try to get as much information as you can and network on LinkedIn as well. That's that's definitely helpful. Cool. I appreciate the plug. And and I, we did an episode, uh, I guess, a, a couple ago that we talked about the recruiting process. So, so make sure that you check out that and, and learn a little bit more about that. And then speaking a little bit about the, the, the HRP, so the HR uh, Human Resource Professional Association. Yeah. That's what uh, is in, um, in Ontario or is it, is it national? So um, the, the HRP is, 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 is for Ontario. I, I um um, I, I believe it's it's national, but they, there's different chapters. So, you know, if you live in, for example, London, Ontario, you'll have your own chapter. So go online and, and see if you can connect to your own chapter. And another thing that might help set you apart as a new grad in HR is, is getting your CHRP, uh, because that's just that extra stamp. Um, that you understand, you know, employment legislation and employment law in Ontario or the province that you uh, that you're trying to apply for. And then uh, further to that, you can continue on as a professional, get your CHRL, where the, the first one is, I guess, a practitioner. And then the, the next step is a leader where, where you kind of show, well, I, I'm really committed to HR <laughs> and uh, I, I've learned an, enough about uh, that. Um, have, have you uh, gone through those certifications and are they they're challenging? Is it are they like really difficult exams and tests? Yeah, um, so I've gone through the CHRP. Um, my goal this year is to get the CHRL. Um, are they challenging? I mean, not really. It, a lot of it is review from from what you, you would have taken in your undergrad, like a lot of the the, the legislation. Um, my, the only advice I'd say is try to do it, you know, the sooner you can do it when you're right out of school and, and the information is fresh in your mind, the better. Um, because, you know, ultimately, half of the test is legislation that you're just reviewing and it's a lot of memorization. So if it's fresh in your brain, it's just easier. Sounds good. So, so take that uh, sooner than later. And uh, what, what are some other uh, kind of pieces of swipe, the stuff that you wish you knew earlier getting into the HR or um, what, what are some of the other guidance that you give to, to yeah. undergrads or, or folks trying to get into HR? 
Yeah, I mean, HR people are, are generally really friendly. Um, they've gotten into that that space usually because they like people and they like helping people. So don't be afraid to reach out to try to network um, with HR professionals on LinkedIn. They're probably, I'd say, again, this might be biased, but they're probably um, the friendliest <laughs> and, and most um, open to helping people just naturally develop in their career um, because that's it's kind of what they do. Um, and also, um, they are the people that you kind of want to reach out to because a lot of times they have influence in the recruitment um, side of things. So it's it's kind of like a win-win if, if, you, if you reach out to them for mentorship as a new grad, you're going to get happy about that because again, they like to help people typically and um, though the, they might be able to influence, um, you know, your, your, your application process or, or getting your name if you're qualified, obviously, um, on a list of, of potential candidates for a role that you're interested in. That's awesome. So I think we gave folks a good overview of HR. And it, even though it's a, it's a small area of business, it's, it's huge on its own. So I think one of the qualifying characteristics which you miss is, is you got to like people <laughs> because you, you are human. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, uh, that kind of came through in, in, in our discussions, but hopefully folks uh, kind of kind of got that. Uh, are, are there any kind of other tidbits or, or any other information that you'd want to share about uh, HR to the folks that are listening? Um, you know, it, it, not particularly. Only, only um, you know, the, the, the only point that I'll share is also as a new grad, you know, think about, you know, startup versus large organization specifically in HR and there's the benefits in both uh, startup you get to kind of shape the strategy but you're going to be doing everything you're the one HR person and you have to do everything benefits payroll comp etc 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 large organization you're in a much larger HR team so there's more opportunities to move into formal roles and learn uh, but at the same time there, there, there there's more policies and, and you're not going to get as creative so it really depends on you know, what you, based on your characteristics, what you'd be more comfortable working in, um, because it's a big responsibility, because a lot of times that we work, things that we do, um, you know, have legal implications. So it's also a big responsibility. So think about, you know, the level of responsibility and and, and the environment that you'd be most comfortable in. Yeah, and I guess that goes to probably one of the other ones that we didn't go into too much detail, but like kind of the the legal compliance of it, because there are employment laws and stuff like that that have to be followed. So uh, don't don't forget that. And uh, I guess that's another area where those potential lawyers (laughs) who who, who didn't want to get to labor relations, they could potentially uh, put their hat in uh, on the HR side. So, uh, well, thanks so much, Nora, for sharing your perspectives and and experience in in, in HR. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for another episode. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.